0: Well, good morning, everyone. Lord bless you. So, not to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but we have three beautiful visitors. <laughs> uh, we have we have Ray and Sue and Ron. So, after service, make sure you have a chance to talk to them. And I'm so glad that to see Maureen. You must be feeling better. Hallelujah. So, um, we have. Uh, Uh, Thursday prayer and potluck, everyone's invited. That's 6 o'clock, good fellowship and good prayer time. The prayer time is becoming exceedingly powerful, I think, as we continue uh, to be dedicated to that. Um, Men's Bible study does not meet this Tuesday. It'll be another week. And women's Bible study, I want to talk to you about all these women about this. You are going to soon see a great big huge banner outside and it's gonna say, please join us for discovering the God of second chances. That will be the next Bible study. It's gonna happen in about a month, but this is a Bible study I am hoping, and, and I've been in prayer, that we continue to reach out. Reach out to your neighbors, to your friends, saved and unsaved, and ask them if they would like to join a Bible study. We want people to see that we, are, we do serve a God of second chances. And there are people that do not come to churches because either they've been burned or because they kind of made a commitment when they were five, but they've been busy with life. He's a God of second chances. And the study is actually a study of Jonah, Joel Obadiah and Amos. It's gonna be a lot, of, a lot of fun. It's gonna be a really good study. So keep in mind that this is outreach, okay? And the same Tuesday, we have women's luncheon here and I have a lot of people signed up. But again, I can set another plate. So if you have a neighbor or a friend you have failed to ask and God puts them on your heart, open the doors, tell, tell them, and then tell me so I make sure and have a place for them, okay? Heavenly Father, we do praise and thank you, and Father, we are growing more and more excited and giddy at the opportunities that you are going to give us. Father, this um, that we pray that this outbreak of Your Holy Spirit, that's happening in the south, west, east part of our nation, would travel like a tsunami, and that it would, hit, when it hits Tucson, we are ready to serve the people that are being saved. And Father, we pray for, as the prophecy said, a billion souls would be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into Your glorious light. We pray, Father, that we would be ready and willing to do the things that you show us to do we thank you for pastor ray we ask you father to bless him and us as he brings his message today and we pray all these things in jesus name now before i leave this little pulpit i want to read from you to you out of the book of habakkuk it's not a book that everybody reads all the time but listen to this passage how long, O oh Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails." The wicked hem in the righteous so that the justice is perverted. Now God is going to answer him. Look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe. Even if you were told you would not believe it.
1: How powerful is he to give that word to Linda to share with you this morning and how it's going to apply to our devotional today. And this morning I stopped at the Starbucks at Harrison and 22nd, and I had my little devotional book in the windshield. And this young man who's just shining with the love and peace of Christ, he says, have you ever heard of Samaritan's Purse? And I said, yeah, and he said, well, he did a trip to Alabama to do some outreach through the Samaritan's Purse down there. And if you get a chance, look up Justin at the Starbucks at 22nd and Harrison and just encourage and bless him. Formula for peace. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. God has a plan for peace, and it is found in his son, Jesus Christ, whom the Bible calls the Prince of Peace. But we have rejected God's plan. Wars still ravage our world and our own lives. Why? Jesus said the problem is within us, each one of us in mankind. Out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. What a list. Our war is real in this rebellion against God, and it's becoming an unending misery. But God longs to see this rebellion cease. That is why the Lord Jesus Christ came. By his death, he provided the way for us to be reconciled with God. And when we have that peace with God, we have it in our hearts, and we have it with each other. This happens as we repent and receive Christ. The war is over, for God extends the peace treaty to all who come to Christ. The hope for today, God promises perfect peace to those whose minds are fixed on him. Who doesn't, have, who doesn't want to have perfect peace? If we are focused on God and his word, no financial woe, health crisis, or family drama will cause us to stumble. So we have come into this house this morning, and we're going to shine with that love of Christ. And with that, that's going to lead us right into our first song. So stand and join us.
2: We have come into his house.
3: This morning's Old Testament reading is from Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, why they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Amen. If you'd like to stand with me, we can read Psalm 23 together. This is a declaration of God's care for us, as well as a prayer that we might recognize it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death,
4: Our New Testament scripture today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. You join me in a responsive reading today. O oh God, who have commanded us to listen to your beloved Son, be pleased, we pray to nourish us inwardly by your word that with spiritual sight made pure we may rejoice to behold your glory. through our Lord Jesus Christ your son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit one God forever and ever Amen Amen. Let us pray Heavenly Father as we come to a time of where we give back, where we can give back in so many ways. You call for us to share, share all of us, share what we, what we have, the skills we have, the talents, um, any abilities that we have or, or property that belongs to you that you've lent to us, that we share so that we might give back to others, so that we may reach out and help make disciples of those who do not yet know you, Lord. So we ask you to bless the, what we've given today, that, that we may use it wisely for the furtherance of your kingdom. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
5: i mm-hmm.
6: morning. Can you show us slide one, please? I love it when scripture is put to song, when the melody carries lyrics that are the truth of scripture. There are few so-called modern Christian songs that I can make a sermon out of, but this is one. Slide two, please. I am the bread of life. All who eat this bread will never die. Our text this morning is John 6, 35 through 40 from the NLT. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will, and this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up on the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. All that see his Son. That Greek word is theoreo. It means to comprehend mentally, to perceive with the mind and discern with the soul. If you ever wondered why the New Testament was written in Greek, that's a beautiful word. Greek is the language of the philosophers. Those who perceive with the mind and discern with the soul. I am God's love revealed. I am broken that you may be healed. Isaiah 53 verse 5. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was broken so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. When I contemplate this scripture, my mind goes to the potter's field in Matthew 27. Do you remember the potter's field? Let me read that to you. When Judas, who had betrayed Christ, realized that Christ had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and elders. I have sinned, he declared, For I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care? They retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down at their feet in the temple and went out and hanged himself. The leading priest picked up the coins and said, It wouldn't be right to put this money in the treasury. It is blood money. After some discussion, they had finally decided to buy the potter's field, and they made it into a seminary, a, yeah, well, <clears throat> a cemetery. When I went to a seminary, we call it cemetery, but anyway, <clears throat> a cemetery for foreigners. Judas was buried there. That is why the field is still called the field of blood. Because it fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah that says they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price at which Christ was valued by the people of Israel, and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. As the Lord directed, God is involved in all our decisions, even our catastrophes. He places monuments at the places of our victories, just as he did when the children of Israel crossed the River Jordan. corresponding excuse me, if I can get my tongue to work this morning. Correspondingly, Satan marks our events in our lives. But he tends to throw up giant highway signs replete with light, smoke, and mirrors. He wants us to be sure to remember those failures. He wants everyone in our life to remember those failures. The potter's field in which the Jewish leaders purchased was perfectly suited for being repurposed as a cemetery because the potters dug there for clay. They left trenches and holes that were perfect for a seminary. (laughs) <clears throat> Cemetery. The potters also used this field as a dump site for their pottery waste. When they crafted a pot that was not quite perfect or irregular, they would dash that pot, collect it in a barrel or a cart, and take it out to the potter's field and dump it. The potter's field. Think of all that broken pottery. That's you and me. Broken, shattered, discarded. Slide three, please. There's an ancient Japanese art called kintsugi. It is the art of taking broken pottery and bonding it back together with gold. The idea is that even that which is broken has a destiny. And destiny has value. Therefore, it is worthwhile to reclaim that which is broken and re it. We call this redemption. To God, our destiny is precious. All our broken parts and pieces, Jesus glues back in place with absolute perfection. Better and stronger than we ever were with the gold of his love. And thereby we become a thing of great beauty and value. Oh Lord, help us to see our beauty and value as God sees us. We need to allow Jesus to show us Just how beautiful we are in his sight. When the Lord allows the pottery of our spiritual man to be broken, he welds us back together with the strength of his spirit and his infinite love. He welds us back God strong. This morning we need to comprehend that God is a God of creativity. This is part of his essence. He is always creating. This is his nature. Every moment of our lives, he is creating and recreating hearts and lives. He is the potter. We are the clay. The universe that the Godhead created is still expanding. Did you know that? This very minute, our universe, our cosmos, is expanding. The black holes in deep space are giant recycling machines. Did you know that? They're like a giant vacuum cleaner. They suck up stars and planets and spit them out the other end as new galaxies. 300 billion galaxies and counting. God is always creating, always making his creation new. We need to comprehend a creator God whose heart's desire is to recreate in our hearts the image of his son. But are we amenable? Are we willing to be reshaped, recreated? It's our decision, his compassion. Satan wants us to see Father God as our eternal judge and jury. A God who is impossible to please, whose standards we cannot possibly live up to. Rather than a loving God who is our closest friend. God does not judge us according to our just deserts. In other words, according to what we deserve. He judges us according to his plan. And his plan is beautiful. E.H. Peterson. God is not a police officer on patrol watching over the universe, ready to club us if we get out of hand or throw us in jail if we become belligerent. He is a potter working with the clay of our lives, forming and reforming until finally he has shaped in us a redeemed life, a vessel fit for his kingdom. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Show us slide four, please. What happens when we try to tell God how we think redemption ought to work? John 5, 39 through 40, from the message. Jesus is huking the Pharisees. And he says, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. The scriptures are all about me, and I am here. The fulfillment of all Scripture." standing right before you, and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. We need to judge our own hearts this morning. Are we also Pharisees? Or do we at least have those tendencies, trying to tell God, we've got this salvation thing all figured out? Or are we like the people in John 6:24? we wanted a free lunch or slide five please let me give you some context here jesus just the day before has fed the five thousand actually that's more like ten thousand because first century palestine was kind of sexist they only counted the men so at least ten thousand but uh, Here in this verse, they're saying basically to Jesus, we don't care about your teaching, where's the food? By the way, the fish and bread you gave us yesterday was fabulous. Best we've ever tasted. Don't you know it was? Think about the wedding at Cana. What did the wine steward say? Best I've ever tasted. But these people, dinner and a show, and it's free. John 6, 24. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they've gone looking in the spot where he was yesterday. They got into their boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Don't you know Jesus smiled or I smiled and said, Would you believe I walked across the lake? Jesus said, verse 26, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me his seal of approval. Slide six. Verse 28, they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? In other words, we want your miracles, not you. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? They're like kids at a circus. Show us the next act. Show us some more tricks. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Be very careful about quoting scripture to almighty God. They've summed Jesus up they see him as just another prophet we need a moses to lead us and feed us so enough of this son of god son of man stuff where's the food slide seven sir they said give us that bread every day whoops i skipped over jesus said i tell you the truth moses didn't give you bread from heaven my father did And now he offers you true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Slide seven. They said, sir, give us that bread every day. They're still fixed on earthly bread, material things. Let me ask you, why was manna placed in the Ark of the Covenant? Three elements, Aaron's rod, Ten Commandments, and a golden pot of manna. Why? I am the bread of life. This is a type of Christ, a foreshadow of our Lord Jesus. These people are several generations past, God having delivered Israel out of the clutches of Egypt. Egypt. But they have the same mentality that left an entire generation dead in the desert. They're complainers, doubters, and scoffers, just like those who wandered in the desert for 40 years. Anybody remember Keith Green? So you want to go back to Egypt where it's warm and secure? Eating leeks and onions on the Nile. Manna waffles. Manna burgers. Manna souffle. Manna cotti. But man bread again. Complainers, doubters, scoffers. Jesus is thinking you weren't there. You didn't live it. You didn't taste it. You know the story, but you learned nothing from it. You don't understand. And you don't remember what happened when they complained about the manna. The serpents. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, but you haven't believed in me, though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will, and this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me. All who see his son, theoreo, to perceive with the mind and discern with the soul. Do you remember the sermon I preached a few months ago? I am the gift of God to his son. Think on that. John 17. Jesus is praying to the Father for all those who will believe on him and everyone who will believe on him in the future. And he prays this just before he climbs Mount Olives the last time where he will be arrested and put to death the next day. Slide 8, please. John 17, Father. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believed you sent me. These are wonderful wonderful words let us contemplate them as we prepare our hearts for communion this morning and as we take communion this morning I want us to think on the revival that's broken out at Asbury University it quickly spread to Lee University in Tennessee uh, we Cumberlands should be jiggy about this because this is the region where the Cumberlands came to be during the Second Great Awakening. That's special. The revival fervor has all the earmarks of Holy Spirit fire. And and I hope, I, this is a mature congregation, I hope you remember the 70s and the Jesus movement because this has all the earmarks of that. This could very well be the last day's revival we've been praying for. So let's take communion.
0: Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks to God for it. He broke into pieces and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me so let's eat
6: another glass of wine saying this wine is the token of God's new covenant to save you an agreement sealed with blood that I shall pour out to purchase back your souls amen let us drink the cup together this morning, I promise you we would review uh, a couple of those ten questions each week. The ten questions that assist us in determining if we are truly awake and alive to Jesus. Question number three, are you currently having any particular season of sweet delight in God? We call them seasons of delight for a reason. Our hearts don't have the capacity to maintain steadfast devotion to God. Not without Holy Spirit assistance. Everything about our human condition has ebb and flow. But our longing for God should be constant. But is it? Does anyone remember that balladeer of the uh, 70s and 80s, Dan Fogelberg? His song, Gypsy Wind. And though our hearts may turn, it's only when you listen that you learn. And I wonder at the ways the strands of love meander through our close and distant days ebb and flow. It burns our thirsty souls and chases reason far away. That is the move of the Holy Spirit. Does your soul still burn? That's the question. Are you thirsty for God? C.S. Lewis, he said our emotions are notorious liars. What he meant was this, if you base your spiritual life on your emotions, you will be easily fooled. Life in the spirit has no need for emotions other than as an outlet for the ecstasy we find in the love of Christ. As we draw close to the person of Jesus, as we draw close to his tangible presence, It's overwhelming. That's what's going on in Asbury. I was very fortunate to be in seminary in Los Angeles in the early 70s when the Jesus movement was on the streets. I remember parades of Christians down Hollywood and Vine. Sunset Boulevard. I remember us dressing up like valets and going to the Jesus Christ Superstar at the Hollywood Bowl. Eric Clapton. Helen Reddy. And we had little um, what looked like programs and we passed them out to all the Mercedes and Porsches as they drove up the back entrance. Program for you. Inside was a tract about the real Jesus. But I remember that well. My uh, dean and students, when I was in seminary, was Jack Hafer. They're holding a remembrance of Jack. I believe today. He uh, greatly impacted my life. But I remember a service in his church on the way in uh, Sherman Oaks, and uh, the Holy Spirit was there in such a tangible presence. It felt like you had walked into a sauna. This is what's going on at Asbury. This is what's going on at Lee University. That's why they're there 24-7. And the line, last I heard, is a half mile long just to get into the sanctuary, to experience just a taste of the manifest presence of Christ. Calvin talked about the manifest presence of Christ. As a matter of fact, he dialed it down a little bit and said there is a cultivated presence of Christ. It requires you to dig down deep and cultivate your relationship with him. The pilgrims as they fled England for the new world, they called revival the manifest presence of Christ. That's what we're seeking. Well, we have a choice. We can remain in our coffins, keep Jesus at a distance, because we fear we might actually have to relinquish the reins of our life to someone else. Or we can throw caution to the wind and fly fully into that flame like a moth and be consumed. It's our choice. Psalm 62, verse 5. For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from him. God's will is greater, wiser, and more intelligent than mine. So I will wait. Waiting means that my hope is in God. In God in whom I trust and from whom I receive all that I need. My will, important as it is, has found a will more important and more essential. His will. My prayers are all too often an attempt to manipulate the will of God. But real prayer has me putting myself in a position to be and become what God has created for me to do for his kingdom. Waiting on God in prayer. Listen to this is my disciplined refusal to act before God does. Let us pray. Father God, we are so thankful for your loving, tender mercy. Lord, you know we've all played the prodigal. We've turned away from you and gone our own way. We all play the prodigal at one time or another, but you are the gracious Father who every evening while we were gone pulled up a rocking chair on the front porch and looked to the far horizon waiting for your child to come home. And when you saw that dot on the horizon, you ran to us. You weren't tapping your foot, You weren't pointing your finger in our face saying, you reckless child. You said, kill the fatted calf. Put a ring on their finger. Give them my best clothes. My child has come home. We would wait on you, Lord. We would listen to you. We would learn how to pray properly, listening in communion with you, communication, dialogue. We read your word because your word speaks to us. But when you speak, will we listen? Lord, help us carve out a time in our day to sit down and just be still and listen for your still, small voice. The scriptures say, Lord, that David went and sat Before the Lord. (laughs) Teach us how to sit, Lord. Teach us how to be patient and listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you leave, I would like to remind you that uh, we're going to do Lent this year. Lent starts on the 22nd. Now, I don't expect you to put ash on your forehead, but if you will to do that, please go ahead. It, uh, you'll find it's uh, a great witness. I remember working with a young lady and she came to uh, work with a smudge on her forehead and I said, here's a tissue. You got I'm Catholic. This is Ash Wednesday. I said, sorry. But it's a chance to witness. I grew up in small churches. God moves small churches just like this his word says do not despise small beginnings as a church we're going to pray and fast during the four weeks of Lent what are we praying and fasting for what's going on in Asbury University revival I believe this is the beginning and if it's not let's make it the beginning but let will let that revival start with us. A time of prayer fasting. I'm not going to tell you how to fast. That's between you and the Lord. I would hope that you as a congregation would join with we leaders as we join together on Thursday evenings and pray for the needs of the church. We fast that day. It would be wonderful if you would fast with us. But as I say, that's between you and the Lord. But as a unified front, I want us to pray and fast for revival for this church, for this city, for this nation. Can I hear an amen? Blessings to you all.